Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Product Club Podcast. I'm back. It's me, Pierce, again. And today, we have a special guest. Not just another member of the Product Club team. Well, special guest as well was Wes before, which I did the interview. And now we have another special guest, which is our content specialist, Gina Alman. Gina, how are you? I'm good. Thank you. You're welcome. So being the sort of newest member of the team, how's it been? It's been a blast. My background is very diverse. And so it's been really fun to kind of draw from all those disciplines and apply it to marketing and product-led. Of course. Tell me about it. Right. And uh, just to give everybody context, Gina, ever since she joined, she didn't just make a splash. I mean, she took out like half the water off of the pool with how hard of an impact she did on the team, which is definitely a good thing for us. So as a content specialist, I know you've been working with our head of content, Laura, on coming up with blog original blog content. And how has it been researching on the content that matters to, well, all our, our listeners? You know, first of all, thank you. Made me blush with that compliment. You know, the research is really hard. There's not a lot of content out there. And it makes my heart really go out to a lot of those companies that are trying to get quality information on product-led growth marketing strategies. It's hard. And a lot of times we have to go directly to companies to kind of see what their process was like and what their path was. For sure. I mean, I guess you could say that your work's pretty much cut out for you because we're trying to deliver on that need of our audiences for examples to make things like stupid easy for them, especially if and when they're transitioning from being traditionally sales-led to being product-led. And Mm -hmm. yeah, your efforts are showing for sure. Going by the numbers, your your blogs, the ones that you've written so far, are also a few of our top blog posts with the most traffic. So especially the latest one, I can tell. Could you tell us more about it? Yeah. So this one, it was a real beast to write. It took about... I literally wrote it about three different times. Laura, our head of content, is a ruthless editor, but in the best ways. It's with her questioning my angles and letting me know when things are boring. That has really shaped this art, this blog post into what it is today. Basically, it started off as we wanted to start representing more of developer-focused platforms. And just to kind of really speak to the developer engineering side, in a lot of blog posts, when they talk about product-led, you always hear about Zoom, you always hear about Dropbox, you always hear about Slack or Calendly, but you rarely hear about developer platforms. And so originally, we started this piece really wanting to focus on more of the developer-centered platforms. And it turned into something completely different. (laughs) So we have a lot of examples that, you know, are very diverse, not your typical product-led growth examples. But now, you know, it, it turned into more of a blog post focusing on characteristics that we have encountered when we signed up for over 50 companies. And these are kind of the top 21 characteristics that we noticed really helped with the smooth flow for both onboarding and yeah. For sure. That kind of journey sort of reminds me of a quote from a Disney Pixar animated movie 
robots, Cyanid, Philanid, uh, you know, their inventor robot. And I get the idea of these great examples are pretty much best and proven ways of doing or being product-led. So what went into coming up with a list of the 50 best PLG examples? Oh, well, I, I onboarded 50 companies and the 21 I, I came up with were the ones that stood out the most. And I really started off focusing more on developer-based companies just because we realized there's not much of a playbook for them. And that's the thing. It's like, yeah, Dropbox and Calendly are poster childs for the strategy, but how does a developer-focused platform, what does their playbook look like? And I know I'm kind of like, it's, I'm not answering the question directly, but I promise I'll get back to it. <laughs> so we started onboarding all these developer and engineering platforms. And then we started realizing that there was a lot of, you know, some of the best websites that they were going into had a lot of common characteristics. So then we started going into other ones and like, okay, is it just, you know, the engineering and developer platforms that have these similar characteristics or are all the product-led growth really good platforms, do they always also have these characteristics? So they went and kind of checked out over 50 of the companies to see what were the similar characteristics that made them good. And then we came out with 21. Right. And these characteristics, it's because of the pattern that you noticed, right? Could you like tell me why these 21 stood out and like give me some more context on what made them good? Yeah. So I think that if any user has taken the time to really onboard, like trying out, let's say like you're looking for a tool and maybe it's a tool with a lot of competitors. What would you call it? A blue ocean, right? Or a red ocean? I think that's a red ocean because... It's a red ocean. Okay. So you're... There's a lot of blood in the water. There's a lot of blood. So you're in a red ocean and you have all these to try, and you're not really sure what's the best. Maybe you have a short list, but even if you have to sign up for like eight, it takes a lot of time, you know, typically, unless you're with a platform that has a really good flow. So a couple of the things I noticed, and when you when you sign up for over 50 tools, that took so many hours, you can't even believe it. And what really started standing out were the things that were creating a time burden or just creating extra steps. And so there became things like email verifications. Were they necessary? Or, oh, oh, you guys, you guys, you want to be product-led or you're a product-led growth company. But then as soon as I give you my email, you start sending me emails like you're a sales-led company. I mean, you're killing the whole strategy right there. Like the whole idea between product-led is that we don't want to talk to you. But if you send me like an email every single day for a week and clog up my inbox, I mean, you're just going against what you're trying to do in the first place, you know? So there's a lot of little things that started standing out and it was, it was a lot of work. It was really laborious trying to kind of sort through all of these, but then you started seeing the platforms that had these really smooth flows, you know, and then some platforms that were doing, you know, some things really good and really smooth and fast. And then others that were creating friction and not necessarily the places where you want friction. So yeah, it was really interesting. I know there are reasons like, Companies typically ask for extra information and it's typically it would be to qualify leads or whether to determine how much they should be spending. Other than a great user experience, what have you observed as like a great 
incentive for companies to have a smooth user flow. Apparently, that's what really stood out. Mm-hmm. I'd have to say there is a lot of companies where if I wasn't writing this original piece, I would have abandoned the onboarding process a long time ago to where it was just like, it's not worth it. You guys are wasting my time. And if they're going to be sucking my time, if I'm going to be losing my time just to have the privilege of trying out their product, I didn't really have a lot of confidence that they would be able to support me you know, with any issues that I have or any questions I might have down the road. Okay. So even before you were able to like, do a taste test, if I may, of uh, what they're actually offering. Your experience with their onboarding is already giving you an idea of how that company like sort of operates? A hundred percent. So, I mean, you know, one of the major principles of product-led growth is that you're starting from the very first interaction that you have with the user. And so by the time, you know, from the very first screens, I had an idea if I was working with a company that valued a human experience or that was more like Lord business, like, oh, you know, we're very bureaucratic, you know? And the thing is, is that when you go through anybody who's dealt with a bureaucratic process, it's not nice. Okay. I mean, what's bureaucracy, you know, you're paying speeding tickets or paying your taxes, you know, it's usually a time suck. It's usually a pain in the butt. It doesn't conjure up good feelings, but when you, from the very first interaction, when I'm signing up and I have this really personal, kind human experience, that made an impact. It's like, oh, who is this team? Who is these people? Like, these are people that I'd want to hang out with. I mean, and that's what's so weird is that just by simply signing on for a tool, you get an idea if you're dealing with a team or a company that I don't know, you'd want to maybe have drinks with after hours, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Totally get it. So let's focus on the best ones that really stood out. How did they do their onboarding? How are they an example of being product-led? Any particular elements that they were doing? Or maybe, other than what they were not doing, what really like uh, stood out, small elements. I know uh, it's like a recipe. Whether you've even asked for the middle name when, when there's that initial sign-up, or whether you even do email verification or even if you like ask for a credit card number. I know there are some like smaller details that you should be aware of if you're looking to uh, transition to being product-led because it's also going to depend on what kind of business that you have or in your niche. So what did they do good? How did they do it? And as a company, what made them good other than the good onboarding? I know that's a lot of questions, sorry. I know, that was a lot of questions. So the first thing I thought about, okay, there's three examples of three companies that were just, hey, yo, like, this is cool. And I'm going to tell you really quick. The first one was Shopify. And I know everybody talks about Shopify, but what I like about Shopify that nobody talks about is that they don't do an email verification. And there's a lot of pushback on the whole email. I mean, I know it's very controversial, but the thing is, is that if, you know, I understand it uses space, okay? But the thing is, is that if Shopify can do it when they get 2.1 million users a day, 
I'm sorry, somebody that gets like 20,000 users a day, you can manage that too. Whether it's in every 14 days, if you don't verify within 14 days, you know, we take out your account or we make it inactive. You know, there's ways to go about it to where you're not losing up too much space. The second one was web page test, which is um, a developer's platform. And what I loved about them is they're doing something really new. So they have a freemium product, which you have to sign up to use and it's free and it's quality, right? You have a premium product, which again, you have to pay to use and it's quality. But before any of those two, they do this thing called rapid prototyping, where as soon as you're on the landing page, you can use the tool. So with this particular tool, you get on the landing page, you put in your IP address and it runs an analysis of your website. You can't be more frictionless than that. There's no tricks. There's no song and dance. It's just like, check it out, you know? And I understand that friction can be good, but when you're dealing with a product that friction does not serve you, I don't see a better way to do this, you know? So they made this really like open platform for anybody to use. That's absolutely brilliant. So mostly what semi-sort of qualifies these as being awesome product-led companies, especially when it comes to their onboarding, is that they do put their product front and center. And then the great user experience comes as a sort of byproduct of that. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I have to say, there's one more example, which I feel like is, I feel like it was really lacking in a lot of signups. And that was Basecamp. And Basecamp didn't necessarily put their product forward. But what they did is that from as soon as I like put in my basic information to create an account with no email verification, may I add, I got a this pop-up letter signed by the CEO saying, you know, this is what's included. And if you have any questions or doubts, email me, right? Which made it a very human interaction. So my first thought was like, wow, okay, this is cool. And then I thought to myself, you know what? I'm going to test this out. So I emailed the guy, Jason. And I was like, no way this guy is going to email me back. Well, he didn't just email me back. He emailed me back within like 15 minutes and was like, yeah, it's me. What's up? Like, what do you need? You know, and just this human connection on the other side, I feel like that gets lost. And they made sure that they made that human connection right from the get-go. Before I even use their products, I'm connecting with the human. Thank you. Oh, all right. <laughs> okay, that's, well, juicy in the manner of speaking. And definitely a lot, if you're looking for an audience, if you're looking to transition to being more product-led, those are great examples of putting your product front and center. And always like when you're being led by your product, at the same time, you're being consumer-centric or user-centric. Uh, I think that would be the more appropriate term. So going back, Gina, what are two key takeaways that you'd like for our freshly transitioning businesses, audiences, would you like them to have as they switch from being traditionally sales-led to the product-led approach? I would say, number one, don't just be product-led on your website, be product-led in the way that you um, do emails. And that means training your sales team. Your sales team is an integral part of the product-led strategy. And they need to be taught how to be supportive, you know, not to be invasive, not to be pushy, but how can you support people and help give them the information that they need to be successful in your tool? And that doesn't mean pushing them for a meeting. It doesn't mean that it's just more, and that can be maybe tracking milestones as a user's a product, 
But when you're emailing them once a day, a couple times a day, you know, and you keep, I had one lady that even tried to hook up with me on LinkedIn. It's like, no, we're not there yet. I don't even know you, dude. Like, I'm just checking out your tool, you know, that felt like crossing the line. And so it's all about being supportive without being pushy. And it's a fine line to dance, but I mean, you can do it. It's about being human, really authentic and human, not being salesy. The second one is, um, you guys, email verifications. They are such a buzzkill. They are such a buzzkill. They take so much time and they're such a pain in the butt. And let, let, let me put it this way. Say like I'm dealing with a tool that's on a mobile app. That's such a pain to like have to go back, do an email verification on my phone. You know, I'd rather just, you know, let me just use it. Let me just try it out. I don't want to have to jump through hoops. Otherwise, if there's another product that's easier to sign up and use, I'm going to do that. Okay. Now, two solid key takeaways. And one of the things that's uh, really standing out to me is that these great examples of being product-led actually execute a very short time to value because they really let the user, even just a trial user, experience the value and come up with a decision themselves whether they are going to pay or not. At least Mm -hmm. the value is already with them. The product is selling itself for sure. So wrapping up here, Gina, what is the best way for people to reach you? Should they want to collaborate or other whatnot? Yeah, there's one last thing I want to say. I, I forget mm-hmm. who said it, but was it, they'll never remember what you say, but they'll always remember how you made them feel. And I think every company should keep that in mind. Like, how are you making your user feel? Are you making them feel happy and excited? Or are you making them feel frustrated and that they're dealing with some other like faceless bureaucratic corporation? So you can contact me at Gina at productled.com. Or, uh, yeah, I think we have a link on our website to mm-hmm. make Zoom meetings if you guys ever want to chat through Zoom. Okay. And again, everyone, that was Gina of the Product-Led team. And thank you, Gina, for joining me on this episode of the Product-Led podcast. A few reminders before we actually wrap up. We have something in store on the website that will help you actually gauge will roll out soon enough, by soon enough, and I mean really soon, that you'll be able to gauge where you are at in your product-led journey, and it's completely free. Next, we have an upcoming cohort, deadline of registration for our upcoming cohort to accelerate your product-led growth is August 12th, 2022, with the first live session on August 18th. For people who sign up and actually enroll, we have a bonus rating for you. And just check out productled.com if you have other questions. And also feel free to reach out to me via our Slack community. You can join the Slack community via productled.com as well, or email me, pierce at productled.com, or send me a message in LinkedIn. Again, bringing the limelight back to Gina. Gina, thank you. You've been amazing. And to everyone, we'll be hearing from you soon. Thanks, Piers. Welcome.
Thank you for listening to the Product-Led Podcast. If you found this episode helpful, please share it with a colleague or friends you know who might benefit. We are always looking at which episodes get the most listens so we know which content to create more of. So if you want more of this particular type of content or style of episode, please share it out. And in return, here's your selfish reason to do this. Uh, We will definitely create more content just like this episode. (laughs) And if that's not your style, please leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts and tell us your favorite part about this podcast. I personally read every single one of these reviews and it gives me more ideas on what content we should do more of. Happy growing.